What is going on, Fantasy Alarm Nation? Time for another family meetup. It's the Family Times Podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and the returning Ryan Hallam. What's up, Hal? How you doing? Hanging in there, man. Ready to get back at the Family Times and have a good time you know, chatting. I guess it'll be mostly baseball today with you guys. Yes, yeah, Sells, you excited about the first week of this regular season for MLB? You got to be psyched. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped. The Nats, <clears throat> excuse me, the Nats did better than I thought they would do. The Yankees did about what I thought they would do. Um, so yeah, you know, it was it was pretty exciting. Some some interesting decisions were made, uh, and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, there there. Let's was just get into it now. Let's just throw this stuff right on the table here because let's talk about the big hot button issue in sports: starting pitchers being lifted, some of them fewer than 70 pitches, pitchers being lifted with milestones at stake, perfect games from Clayton Kershaw. You've had you Darvish as well involved in that. It's been all over, man, the MLB, and there are two schools of thoughts and want to get your take on this. And Ryan, I know you're raising your hand right now. And with the two schools of thought being that, A, we didn't have – the normal offseason because of the lockout. So pitchers are still getting ready conditioning wise. And the other side of it where, hey, these guys should be ready to go and should be able to pitch 90 to 100 pitches and not get lifted. It's very, very tough, guys. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this type of issue? I want to start because I know sales. If you follow him on Twitter at the salesman, you already know what he thinks. So they get my I, I like. Uh, you know, the Kershaw one, I, you know, it was 80 pitches, perfect game, all that. Uh, but, you know, especially now, the way the pitches are being paid and the way the game is, you know, morphing to more of a specialist. You know, we, we talked about quality starts two weeks ago and how that wasn't really a great viable fantasy, you know, statistic because guys aren't even going six innings. Uh, never mind going six innings and giving up three runs. Uh, on top of the fact of the short spring training, on top of the fact of the lockout, as I'm sure you know, we all hope these guys were doing what they're supposed to be doing, but I think there's a decent chance that a lot of them probably weren't. Uh, I, I'm not at all surprised at what we're seeing. I'm not. You're seeing pitchers, you know, the, the, towards the end of the rotation, not even making four innings. And I just think that it, you know, it, all these teams came into it, especially a, a team like the Dodgers with with World Series aspirations. You know, not looking to burn out one of their pitchers, especially their most injury-prone pitcher, uh, for, for all intents and purposes, a meaningless game in April. Okay. So, for some guys, I get pulling them early. Okay? I do. I get it. I understand it. You're protecting an asset. Although, I will say, these guys are paid to eat innings. And if they're not eating innings, then why the hell are they being paid so much? Okay, if you're going to take out dudes who you're paying $30 million a year to after four innings just so you can pitch your bullpen guy who you're getting on the cheap for the fourth time in a week in the first week of the season, it makes no damn sense to me. None whatsoever. And if you're protecting guys to win a World Series six months from now, you have six months of days of rest you can work around. Okay. Kershaw, they load-managed him last year like nobody's business. And what happened? 
Dude got injured. Dude didn't play in the last three series of the postseason. Still load managed him. Still got injured. So if you're telling me that in the first game of the season that you can't let your pitcher go out there and cruise through a 90-pitch outing, then what are we doing? I'm sorry. I get it. If it was 80 pitches through five innings and he walked some dudes and whatever, fine. Take him out. Or if you don't want him to go too many innings, take him out after five. Just take him out after five. If you're concerned that he hasn't pitched over four innings since last September, take him out after five. Then nobody's complaining. There's a half a game left. But you can't honestly tell me that you're going to leave him in until he's six outs away from a perfecto, which he's never thrown, by the way. There's only been 23 in the history of baseball out of 220,000-plus games. There's only been 23 perfect games. You're going to leave him in until he's six outs away and then claim pitch count? Really? Really, that's really what we're we're comfortable doing here. And by the way, to those of you who are going, well, they got to load manage him. Uh, last July, in a meaningless ass game, when the Dodgers were, you know, cruising to the playoffs, they let Clayton Kershaw pitch eight innings with his team up by seven to get to a hundred pitches, just so he could pitch eight innings and I guess help himself. I don't know, but they let him in the middle of July pitch eight innings in a game in which he had already given up four hits, a walk, a run and had 13 strikeouts. But this one, we can't let him go. Really? I mean, if, if, if veteran pitchers can't talk their way into staying in historic games, we're never going to see one again. We're just never going to do it. The last solo, no hitter for the Dodgers was Kershaw in 2014. You know who wasn't managing then? Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts hates baseball history. He clearly well, does. It's the, only, it's the only excuse. The only time two pitchers have been taken out after seven-plus innings in a, perf- in a perfect bid is Dave Roberts taking out Rich Hill in 2016 and Kershaw uh, yesterday. That's it. That's the only time in baseball history it's happened, and it happens to be Dave Roberts managing. If we're paying these guys to play, <clears throat> then let them freaking play. We're paying these, these you know, <clears throat> the hitters. Nobody talks about this. Hitters go from playing twice a week in spring training and doing half an hour of baseball drills to playing every day in massively cold weather, and nobody has a problem with it. But we can't have pitchers stay on the same schedule and – Pitching is a completely different than hitting. Pitching is the most unnatural thing that anyone does in any sport. Your arm is not supposed to throw anything 100 times every five then why days. Are relievers, then why are relievers who only pitch twice a week in spring training allowed to? I've seen relievers already be used four times in six games. But we can't use a starter for more than six innings? I think it's different throwing the ball 15 times, four different times a week than throwing it 60 times a once. Yeah, you're also in high leverage situations every time you come in as a reliever. Understood. I, you know, it's just, and I understand, like, you know, I'm a little older than you, and, and you're definitely a baseball purist, someone who definitely loves the game, and, and I respect that and all. And not saying I don't, but 
the whole sport is just evolving. I mean, let's look at let's look at complete games. It used to be a guy used to throw twenty five complete games a year. Now, if a guy has five, he's like some Iron Man. So I think this is more. And and I'll give. I think some of it is also Dave Roberts is a new age manager with the analytics and all this crap uh, that's also coming into play. That it happens to be him both times. But I, I just think the whole game is just evolving, and it's evolving in a way that you know not everybody likes. And clearly, you're one of them. I, I you well, know, agree. I would love to see a perfect game, but I, I just think you're going to see a lot of this historic stuff less and less as we my, get longer and longer. My thought is that according to Twitter, here's the criteria for pitching <laughs> a perfect game. Now, you have to have never, ever, once in your life even thought about going on the IL. So already can't happen because every pitcher's been on the IL. Hell, Blake Snell didn't even pitch and landed on the IL. It can't happen early in the season. It has to happen only in midseason, right? Because once you hit August, you're going for the World Series. So can't be in August. And we can eliminate July because it's the trade deadline. So you can't leave a starter out there too long because he might get injured and then kill his trade value. So it's basically going to happen in June. You can't be on a team that's going to compete for a World Series because heaven forbid you blow a shot at a World Series because of one start three months earlier. So basically, we have to hope that the freaking Orioles or Pirates don't have somebody worth trading come June who's never been injured. And that's our only shot for perfect games now, apparently. I I also think Johan Santana's no-hitter probably freaked out a lot of people that he was pretty much— 134 pitches. I know, but I do think that that also comes into play, that he was never the same. I I agree, it's not the same, but I do think that that kind of thing comes into play. And by the way, I was at that game, and Carlos Galtran doubled uh, down the line. It was not a no-hitter, but uh, we'll let you Mets fans have that anyway. Yeah, that kind of sucks. I think about that a lot. <laughs> I remember that. I was actually producing in studio that night, and I, I just couldn't focus on anything else. And then the whole time I'm thinking, this is awesome seeing a Mets no-hitter. The host I was working with, a Mets fan, so we were kind of fanboying out with that. But then it's that, always that, that, little, that little thing, that double on the line, had the rules been implemented then that we have now, no, no hitter for Nohan. No, no. It was, it was funny. Uh, you know, me, my, my brother and I go to a game every year to see the Cardinals play the Mets. Uh, and that was the game we were at. And he was rooting for the no hitter. And I'm like, we didn't come all the way down here. It's about two hours from the stadium to watch our team get no hit. And we fought for like the last three innings over what was going to happen. Uh, I tried to jinx it on Twitter. I tried to jinx it on Facebook. I, I tried everything I could to to try to undo it as best I could, but it didn't. But it was it was still definitely cool to see, man. You know, the place went bananas. Grown men were crying. Like, it, now years later that it's not while I'm there, it was a pretty cool thing regardless of the bell trip. Dude, it's in the books. It's a no-hitter, regardless of what anyone says. My coolest moment of being at a baseball game, and it came to anything pitcher-related, I was never at a no-hitter or anything like that. I actually got to see Randy Johnson's 300th win oh, at nice. Nats Park. He was when he was on the Giants, and this was back in. I, I want to say, just thinking about it, like 08, 09, that area. It was a rainy, really crappy, cruddy day, but it was just so special because now we talk about this whole thing with pitchers getting lifted and how many 300 game winners do you None. think that we're going to see moving forward? None. Never again. Never again. None. No, no, I mean, that's done. 
it's not going to – I mean, to give you an idea, Kershaw, as great as he is, and he's – according to Twitter, he's old yet still only 32 at the same time. So, like, I guess that means all of us should be sitting in rocking chairs on a porch at a retirement home now? I he definitely. I mean, he's 32. He's not that old. He's at 180-something career wins, and he's yeah. been – and with a career 240-something ERA. Well, what did Sabathia finish with? And he was like a workhorse for a very long time. He didn't get close to 300, I don't think. How many did who have? Sabathia. Uh, I don't think he's – I don't think it's he's a good, good name, though. I don't think he's even close, is my point. And he was a workhorse for a yeah, long let me, time. Let me go ahead and check. And while he's looking at that, I'm just going to say this for context purposes. Randy Johnson was the last guy to do it. 251 wins. For That's season. a long way off. That's, you know, three – Probably three good more years, and and you know he he was well, a great pitcher for a very long time. In since between 2014 and 2019, which is his last what six seasons, he only won double digit games once. Yeah, he did have two nine win seasons, but he only topped double digit wins once. So there's no way we're seeing a 300 game. No, because you think of Cleveland like. You know, they're not good. They were good when he was on the team. They were a playoff contender back then. So he was on a playoff contender basically his entire career between Cleveland and the Yankees. So, so I mean, are you are you guys saying that I probably was at the final three hundredth so. victory for a starting pitcher ever? I'd be shocked if someone else gets to three hundred. I'd be shocked if somebody else gets to three hundred. I mean, think about it. You gotta That's win pretty freaking 15, cool. <laughs> you gotta win fifteen games a year for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody pitches 20 seasons in the major leagues. Nobody pitches enough innings to get 15 wins. Right? right. I mean, yeah. if you're pitching 30 games a year, you got to win half of your appearances. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So I I don't I don't see it happening. I mean, Scherzer's been a workhorse for his entire career, and he's not even close either. Maybe someone that will get there. Tyler McGill. Sells. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Tyler McGill's start to the year? A couple of strong starts for him. Yeah. I mean, opening day against the Nats was far better than I thought it would be. I mean, it is the Nats. It's not like it's an overpowering offense. It's a okay offense. But um, I... I don't know. I mean, he's a Mets pitcher, so the odds of him missing starts later is probably pretty high. Um, but he's serviceable. I can't say anything else about that right now. He's very good right now. But we're two starts in, so who, you know, who knows? Exactly, and that's where this comes in, guys. And we get hit up a lot. I saw that Howard Bender even put a message up in the Fantasy Alarm Discord about this. I was dying laughing when I saw this because it's so true. Pretty much telling everyone to hold their horses. Dude, our Discord, which is great, by the way, we're all hanging around there. It was getting crushed with questions after a day or two. I thought it was wild for NBA for a four-game slate getting asked eight different questions by one subscriber. Man, no wonder. And when I saw Howard's message, it's like, you got to hold your horses and players are going to struggle and it's going to suck and it's going to make you feel like a loser, but you're not a loser. Your player is just an active loser, but can become a winner over time. How long do you guys wait before panicking 
and making a move or two when it comes to one of your stud players just not getting it done out of the gate? Stud players, I'd say I don't even think about anything before Memorial Day. Like I, I, I am a patient fantasy baseball player. If you're talking about someone I drafted probably even in the first 10 rounds, uh, you know, we're talking about later on, you know, last few rounds, or, you know, if you're in an auction, you know, dollar days, you know, I can make a move on, on someone like that, uh, you know, quickly or in the first couple weeks. Uh, but if you're talking about someone that I came into the draft with some confidence in, I, I uh, maybe I wait longer than others, but I'm really not making major moves before Memorial Day. Yeah, I mean, obviously injuries play a role, right? But, like, I'm not bailing on closers after four games, right? I mean, everybody's still trying to get worked out. They've got 28-man rosters for a reason uh, for the first month of the season. And just before this podcast, I actually fielded two questions about Owen Miller for the Indians. Would you drop Aldoberto Mondesi for Owen Miller? (laughs) Or would you drop... Uh, Willie Ademis for Owen Miller. And I'm like, for what? What is Miller giving you that those two other dudes can't? Bro, he hit two home runs, man. I'm like, yeah, he's off to a 524 batting average. Okay, do you know what he batted in 191 at-bats last year in the major leagues? 204. So, like, it's going to come down, right? Because nobody's hit over 400 since Ted Williams did it, like, 70 years ago. Uh, I, I, I don't know. This is the problem with taking a fantasy football mentality and shifting it to fantasy baseball. Fantasy football, if a guy has a bad week and he gets shifted out of a rotation, drop him. Cut bait. The season's not long enough. you got like 12 weeks to make, to make the playoffs and every week matters. Baseball, if you're in Roto, it's a 26-week season. What are you talking to me on Wednesday of the opening week for? Like... There's been rainouts. There's been pitchers scratched already. There's been, I mean, hell, Nelson Cruz was scratched because for some reason, like 20 minutes before a game, and then he was fine the next day. If a guy is injured, make a move. Fine. Okay. Get it. If he's off to a slow start, come on, man. Like, I paid a boatload of money five or six years ago for Anthony Rendon in my home league. Okay. Because Anthony Rendon's supposed to be like a 280 hitter with 30 homers and 100 runs and 100 RBI, right? And he was on your favorite team. After April, he had one RBI in April. Didn't panic, just let it ride. You know what he finished with? He had like 85 RBI, 90 runs, 28 homers, 270 bat. He was fine. You're playing for the season. You're not playing to win each week by week by day by day. Like, come on. By the way, I don't know why you're right with everything you said there, and you got to be patient. And for those that are just getting into fantasy baseball that had been playing fantasy football, Sells is right. It's a completely different time frame. It's a completely different mentality. Patience is needed. Remember, you have more of a sample space that you're going to go off of before dropping a player. I mean, so, I mean, things are so hard to figure out right now. I'm trying to figure out the Boston Red Sox bullpen because here I am. So are they for Deekman, who's got multiples holds and a save. And I think could clearly be the closer. And just when I think, okay, you know, Barnes is a little bit banged up. They're rotating guys in and out and they're putting them in at different innings. All of a sudden Robles gets the save, man. 
It's so hard to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. There's several teams like you know several teams like that. It's, we talked again before the season uh, where I was saying I wasn't paying for saves, and this is why. Like you know, more and more teams every year are in a cloudy situation. I think this this season is worse than any before. And not only that, I mean, ones that we didn't know coming into the season, guess what? There's going to be four or five that we thought we knew coming into the season. They're going to be upside down in the next four weeks. So, uh, yeah, good luck. Ch- you gotta, if you have fab and you're chasing saves, you're in a lot of trouble because you're going to have to chase them a lot. If you're in just a regular free agent league, at least you, you, know, you have the moves where you can just keep churning guys out until you find one. But uh, chasing saves is, is, is tough. Yeah, I mean, opening day. White Sox have a save situation. Liam Hendricks is supposed to be the be-all, end-all closer this year. Yeah, Who's right. Who's to get the save on the opening day? Aaron Bummer. Has it? And what's Hendricks's deal lately in this? I mean, to start the I year, mean, he's, he's letting up runs. But he's coming in rusty, right? So even even the guy we all thought it's Hater and Hendricks. Hater and Hendricks. If you get one of those, you're fine. Opening day comes. Hendricks ain't even. Ain't even warming up in the bullpen. And it was a three-run game. It wasn't even a tight game. It was a three-run game. So and I, here I am sitting pretty, ooh, Jordan Romano. I do like Jordan Romano in my Dynasty League, though. He's, He's coming. very good. Yes. He's coming. Four saves, baby. Liking that very, very much. It's a good start to the season. But what's the big lesson? We preach patience here. Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither will your foundation, especially those in Roto Leagues. They, it's not hard. This is what it is, okay? I'm not going to go and be one of these people and say, fantasy baseball and other sports are for the big leagues. This is more serious stuff right here. This isn't just you take a few days off your lineup. Okay, you go on vacation. You want to win a title, you're at this every freaking day. This isn't like fantasy football where you can sneak in an off day or two. There's no offseason in basketball, hockey, but especially baseball, which to me is the hardest fantasy sports to conquer. Yeah. I mean, Howard Better always says any knuckle dragger, mouth breather can win a fantasy football league. <laughs> Don't see that in fantasy baseball, right? There's not enough luck over the course of an entire season. Actually, I'm wrong, guys. I'm sorry. And, Ryan, you can verify. Fantasy Survivor is the one (laughs) thing that's tougher to win than in fantasy baseball. But, guys, let's go to the family table. Let's bring something to the table. I'm going to start. You know the NBA playoffs are beginning. And when it comes to wagering, I don't place bets just to place bets. I'm not a shock value guy. I just want to help everybody, including myself, win a little bit of coin so you can get a free Chipotle dinner because a bunch of little ones, you save a lot of money right there. That's all it is. However, I haven't really placed bets for series victories. I'm just feeling like the Raptors are going to beat the Sixers and you can get them at plus odds on DraftKings Sportsbook. I just think with the way you beat Joel Embiid in a very slow-paced team, you beat them with speed. You change your pace up, you turn it up a notch, and you take your aggressive forwards and centers and Toronto has plenty of them, and you attack Philly full force, try to get Embiid in foul trouble from the start, and have them try to figure out how to keep him on the floor. I think that's what Toronto needs to do instead of playing a slow half-court game, which the Sixers are accustomed to. They try to up the tempo a little bit and often hit that paint hard and be physical. 
they're going to come away with this series. And I'm very confident that they'll do that. And Matisse Thibel is not vaccinated or doesn't isn't fully vaxxed up to the date. So because of that, in games in Toronto, the Philly forward is going to be missed in those games. So that is what I'm bringing to the table, a little bit of a prediction that I think Toronto is going to win their first round series against the Philadelphia 76ers. What about you, Sills? Uh, first of all, nothing would give me more joy than watching a Philly team exit the playoffs. Um, watched a Phillies fan throw a Mets fan's phone under the. I saw that. Uh, for no apparent reason, as far as I mean, it's a Phillies I mean, fan. I guess they don't really need a reason, but you know. Um, <laughs> he was he was he was talking a little smack and pointing the guy's face, but still not worth throwing his phone off the. It's a rivalry. Like I you know. can't talk smack in a rivalry. Come on. Like, um, sure, alcohol was involved. Oh, there's a reason why there's a jail under Lincoln Financial Field. <laughs> like, and Citizens Bank is just in the same parking lot. They could just probably move the guy right across to the other stadium. Uh, what I'm bringing to the table is something that uh, I've said a few times before, but it bears repeating now that baseball is in full swing. Please use the eye test. Okay. Twitter is full of everybody going this guy's got this ridiculous stat right now so you should probably add him because it's like totally gonna hold right or this pitcher's spin rate is off the charts which means he should produce more strikeouts except when you look at his box score he doesn't right use the eye test all of these predictive numbers are great they can be accurate at various times doesn't mean they always are if you look at expected batting average and it's 60 points higher than what the guy is actually hitting, there's probably a reason for that, right? Um, the Who hit the home run for the – well, the hit that should have been a home run – oh, Joey Gallo hit a ball that, according to StatCast metrics, was guaranteed to be a home run, was guaranteed. 121 other balls have been hit like this in the StatCast era – between like 122 and 123 mile exit velocity and a perfect launch angle. And what happened? It died in the middle of right field in Yankee Stadium. Why? Because what they don't tell you is when you swing with an uppercut to produce that launch angle, you impart top spin on a baseball, which kills any carry that you may or may not get from the exit velo. Okay. There's a reason why I test will steer you in the right direction 95% of the time. Okay, if guys were that good, they'd be getting paid like it, they'd be playing like it, and they'd have the numbers to back it up. So don't box score, you know, don't go look at, oh, Owen Miller's hitting 524 because that's going to keep for the rest of the year. No, it won't. He's off to a hot start, okay, but picking him up now doesn't get you the 524 average. It only gets you what he does now. So when it drops to 250, you're going to get a 0.7 batting average from him. Like, let's use the eye test. Don't just go, oh, these predictive metrics say this guy's awesome. Doesn't always work that way. Ryan, anything I, to add on that? <laughs> no, not on that. That's what, Man, Sells, I, you like baseball. You're a baseball guy, Sells. Yeah. That was, that was some deep. That was a nice rant. Said. Damn, why don't we bring you on alarm after hours to talk NASCAR? You're so much better at talking baseball. 
People just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just like a lot of other family members, Ryan, yours truly, we're all multi-sport analysts. And I feel like baseball is my first love, right? Yeah. NASCAR is 1B, baseball is 1A, right? I'm not going to lie. You start mentioning the fancier terms like exit velocity, something in my brain goes off like, oh, no, I'm about to get lost. But I was actually able to stay with you during your entire rant cells. That that was good, man. Thank you. There you go. Ryan, follow that up, baby. I'm going to dumb it right down after that. Uh, The USFL is starting this weekend. And damn it, I've I've done a lot of work for this. So pay attention. The playbook coming out. There's the DFS projections. I had to write a betting article for PixWise. So I don't care if you don't care. Just read it anyway and, and play some. I mean, you figure this first weekend, like you have a chance to win in money, right? Like how many people are going to even play, first of all? And second of all, who the hell knows what's going to happen? It's the first week of a new league. I don't know who 75% of them are probably. Uh, and if you're only a casual football fan, you probably don't know who 98% of them are. Uh, if you haven't paid attention to the AAF or the XFL, you probably know who about five guards are and maybe three coaches. So uh, I've done as much research and diving into this as I can. So pay attention for the USFL for at least the three weeks before it goes under again. What team is Trent Richardson on? He is not on a team. Uh, Victor Bolden is on a team. You've heard of him. Uh, Kyle Laletta is uh, on a team. Finch. Paxton, I don't think he's starting even, though. That's how bad Paxton Lynch is. I think he's a backup. Oh, Jeff Fisher is his coach. Jeff Fisher hates everybody. Jeff Fisher is going to go four and six since he can't go seven and nine since there's only ten games. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I really like the XFL. So I'm hopeful that this is going to be a decent product, but we'll see. Are you are you in any kind of season-long league for it? No, I'm not doing that. It, <laughs> no, but there is a 100K to first contest on DK right now. I might go in that for twelve bucks. It was worth a well, shot. Wrote, I was hoping you'd get in on that. You wrote the article. If anyone should get in on it, it's you. It's I play. Bucks. I play DFS for pennies. I don't. I'm not a big DFS. I'm not a big dollar DFS player. USFL. There you go. I love and that. I will. Just a heads up for those of you that are expecting the lineups to be exactly like the NFL. They're not on on DK. There's a different uh, lineup combination compared to NFL DFS. So just be aware of that. You can't just plug and play your same strategy because there's there's a few less or more spots depending on how you look at it. And Herschel Walker is unavailable, correct? Unavailable. He's currently okay. running for the Senate, if I'm not mistaken. He wow. is. Wow, look at that. In and Georgia, with, I think. Yeah. Sells, you just know so much random information. I have oh, random That's stuff. not random. You should know that. I'm he's sorry. A, I'm an idiot. We all know that. A, He's a disaster. You should, I mean, if nothing else for the comedy of Herschel Walker running for Senate uh, is out there. It's it's almost as bad as Dr. Oz running for Senate. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> very comparable, yes. Hey, Howard Stern almost ran for governor one time, but I, then I he had to reveal his taxes and he wouldn't do it, or he had to re- reveal his income, and he was like, nah, brah, hey, it's okay. Man, the last guy didn't reveal his stuff and still won, so I'm all for Howard Stern. And, and I believe that last guy that you're talking about sunk the USFL the first time, so and hopefully hopefully, yeah. we could keep that guy away from this USFL. You should watch the uh, ESPN 30 for 30 small potatoes, because it's yep, that, a One of the first ones that came out, I believe that was a single-digit episode, so 
That was yep. one of the first ones that came out. By the way, the one on Jimmy the Greek is underrated. Very underrated. I like it's an interesting story, but we'll handle that later on for now. Give Ryan Hallam a follow at Fighting Chance USFL content. I love it. Give Matt Sells a follow at the salesman for all of his bitching and moaning about what's going wrong in Major League Baseball and how history may never repeat itself again with some of the latest trends with how pitchers are utilized at the salesman and also NASCAR coverage too. Give yours truly a follow on Twitter at Fenty Sports. We all together like a family should always dominate. No other option. We will win.